Do you understand the words that are coming out of my mouth? Hello, everyone. I'm Alan Stein Jr. And welcome to season 11 of the Raise Your Game Show. In this season, I sit down with a fascinating group of ex-athletes from a variety of team sports to learn the most valuable skills and impactful lessons they developed on the court, field, ice, and sand. And more importantly, how they apply what they've learned to every other area of their life. Joining me today is Anthony Trucks, a former pro football player and current speaker, author, and transformational identity shift coach that helps audiences reprogram their minds and align their core identity with their life's vision. For more on Anthony, check out anthonytrucks.com and follow him at anthonytrucks on Instagram. Before we dive in, I'm thrilled to announce that my new book, Sustain Your Game, High Performance Keys to Manage Stress, Avoid Stagnation, and Beat Burnout is now available for pre-order and will launch worldwide on April 12th, 2022. Check out sustainyourgamebook.com for more information. And now, on to today's conversation. Well, Anthony, we'll kick it off right here in the first quarter. And I would love to know with your extensive athletic playing career, and now with all of the work you do in a variety of different spaces, what do you think are the biggest similarities between football and the business world? Man, I think some of the similarities of football and business are both are, uh, there are stages where it's competitive, but with yourself always, right? So it's a matter of, I think most people assume like, uh, you know, just it's business is all strategy and it's not, man. It's a matter of, are you able to get your mind right? Can you handle situations that pop up? Can you work hard when nobody else will? Uh, can you take coaching and apply it when you need to? And so these are all business things that are also sports intangibles. And so if there's a definite, you know, congruent connection between those two. And, uh, and for me, I think that's where most people kind of don't understand. Like it's, it's very, very, very similar. For sure. Now for you personally, what trait do you think that made you so successful on the football field has most empowered and helped you in all of the work that you do now, whether it's running masterminds or speaking or writing or coaching, could you pick a singular trait or maybe one or two traits? Uh, yeah, for sure. Adaptability is one of them. I think there's something to being able to adapt to the situation at hand that most people don't grasp. Like not everything goes great. And most people want it all to go great. And like, sounds good, but that's not simply how it works. And so I think my ability to handle things as they pop up and then adapt to them in real time without freaking out is a humongous asset. Uh, man, what else? I think it's leaning on other people too. I think it'd be one way to look at it. Cause if I don't lean on people, then I don't have enough information real time to get things done. So like, if I don't know something, my ego doesn't take over and go, well, I'm not going to ask anybody because you know, I don't want anybody's help. You know, it's like, no, I'm going to ask anybody I know because I'm going to find a way to get solutions just like a teammate would. Hey, I don't want to do this. Can you help me out kind of thing? So there's, I think some aspects there. What's another one I think would be good? Communication is huge, mm -hmm. which is, can I, and communication is not just like, can I tell you? It's like, can I listen? You know, can I, can I hear? Can I listen to clients? Can I listen to people? Because the more you can do that, the more you can actually have the results you're looking for. You know, you said something before that reminds me, I think one of the reasons I, I love watching football and have such an appreciation for that game is because you have to lean on your teammates. Like everyone in the game of football on offense or defense has a pretty specific role. And, and it's hard for one player to dominate an entire football game. I mean, you can dominate your position and you can dominate certain plays, but everybody's got to work together. I mean, if, if the line's not blocking, the quarterback's not protected, you know, you can't, the running back can't do his job. And then obviously the same thing on defense. So speak a little bit about how important it is to know and embrace your own role and being a piece of something bigger than yourself. 
Well, yeah, it's always going to be a bigger pull when you're doing it for more people than you. I think if it's just for you, you're, you're okay with sometimes giving up on you. You're okay with sometimes, um, you know, taking a backseat or a break. But if somebody else is involved, like you have to show up, right? Because the team needs you. And then I think it's also a matter of, of like learning to trust. Because when I played, you know, football, I have a job, my role. And if I if I go out of the realm of doing my job and do your job, well, then, well, you don't trust me to do my job. And I'm telling you, I don't trust you to do yours. Yeah. And so it becomes very difficult for us to in any way blossom or grow or create something amazing. So we're never going to reach our goal because neither of us are doing our jobs or trust the other person to do theirs. But then if I'm able to lean in and go, I'm going to do my job. And if I see you not doing your job, I'm not going to do your job. I'm going to say, hey, what do we got to do to get you to do your job? Right now, what happens is they trust me to do mine. If we get it right, I trust them to do theirs. Both jobs get done. We're at peace and things grow. Like that's that's 100% sports and business. That's why I'm so much of like a, a proponent of, of persons like, hey, have your kids do sports. Not to win games. Right. Not to win championships, but to understand how to win in life, right? It's a microcosm of the world. There are people who, I, honestly, I'm not going to lie. There are people I meet in this world who I can meet them and go, you didn't play sports growing up. Oh, yeah. They'd be there 50, 50 years old plus. I could go, you didn't play sports growing up. And just because I know, like, they can't take feedback. They they don't do well on a team. They get frustrated easy. They they live in an emotional state. Like, it's always like like walking on eggshells around them, like, yeah, you didn't play sports because if you played sports on any kind of team, that would have been taken care of when you were 12. <laughs> like, But we're still dealing with this now. So, yeah, I think those are some of the carryovers for sure. Yeah, that's actually the perfect segue kind of into the, the second quarter of this, which is uh, talking about life lessons. I mean, as a father, that's one of the reasons I encourage my children to play sports is for yeah. what you just said. So they can learn some life lessons that it's hard to teach them in any other facet. Can you think of a lesson or two that you specifically learned through the game of football that's that's carried you to where you are now and helps you with what you do now? Yeah. yeah. Um, some of the life lessons, man. I mean, it's all, the funny part is like when you have a joke, like uh, I'm gonna tell you a joke and then you can't think of any of the jokes. Like it's a yeah. ton of life lessons, but it's hard. I've had some, you know, it was one that I liked from my coach uh, in college. He's real big on it. He says, it takes a little more to be a champion. Mm-hmm. There's always this desire for us to do just enough to get by and there's, you know, a certain level, but then like it takes a little more to be a champion. And what he meant by that was, you go to this level where everything's moving smooth and going great. And then certain people, they, they cut it short and they wonder why they don't succeed. And it's like, well, you just didn't do that little more. Well, how much is a little more every day, a little bit more, a little yeah. bit more than you are willing to do. Cause until you are a champion, you must do more than you are doing. And so it's kind of that mentality. I've always been like, all right, if I'm going to be a champ, whatever I'm choosing to do, I will find the point at which I want to stop. And I got to do a little more because if I'm not a champion, I'm not killing it. What I'm doing isn't enough. So I got to do a little bit more. So that was that was a really good one. Um, also, he says, play one inch out of control, which oh. is we play at a level where we're, we're in control and it feels good. And I feel confident, right? Bro, push it an inch out because that inch is when you let it all hang out more than most people do. That's where great things are made. I'm, I'm real big on the idea that you don't actually rise to the occasion. You fall to your training. Mm-hmm. But I think even with your training, you can play an inch. You've, I've trained this level, but I can play an inch out of control and see what happens a little bit past the common point. So those are a couple of the good ones that I think were lessons that I've stuck with and put into my life and actually taught my kids as well. Yeah, absolutely. No, I love that. Especially I hadn't heard that play an inch out of control. Um, yeah, that's fascinating. What were some of the biggest adjustments you had to make as you matriculated up from level to level? So from going high school to college and then college to pros, 
what, what were the biggest separators and biggest differences and, and adjustments that you had to make to acclimate? Uh, I think it was understanding how to start again as being the lowly guy, you know, like to not be the guy that uh, I had to explain, like, there's the guy when you're in high school and you're the guy, you know, like, and then you go to college and you're nobody. And then you're from the college to be on the guy. And then from that, you go to be a nobody. Right. And so for me, it was like, you guys got to get used to being able to start again. And you do it in every aspect. When you break up with somebody in a relationship, you start again. When you change a job, you start again. And I think some people want to want to never have to go through that again. And it's like, that's not how it works. I think life is a continuation of multiple restarts over and over. And, and that for me becomes the issue of like, it's really got to be this thing where I'm, I'm okay with starting again. I carried that up. And then also realize the speed you're going to go into, you should feel like a fish out of water. Mm. Whenever I enter new stages, the thought is like, oh, I can take what I know and move it on and it's going to be good, right? I'm going to, I'm going to be greater here, but that's typically not the case. You are good for that stage. Yeah. The next stage is going to immediately show you what you cannot do <laughs> or immediately show you how out of place you are. And some people crumble under that, like the speed of the game, the thought of the game, the pace of the game. And I'm talking about sports, but it's also business, parenting, the speed, it changes. And if you can't learn to adapt to that speed, Right. If you can't learn to to feel the discomfort and not hit the brakes, but hit the gas and hang on to the steering wheel and learn how to drive the car, you will get thrown out of the car or you'll leave. So a lot of it's understanding like the game is supposed to feel uncomfortable at the next level, but you had to adapt to that speed. Now, do you apply that to your real life right now? Do you intentionally seek out Hell yeah. domains where you're the rookie again? And do you seek out being around people that might be at a different speed than you at present until you can continue to catch up? Yeah, all the time. I mean, literally all the time. It's, uh, yeah, it's constant. Because really, at the end of the day, if I don't, then I'm always going to be stuck where I'm at. And, and the world doesn't stop moving, bro. Like, the world continues to go. But I do. I, I get myself in rooms, conversations, and places where I'm, I'm trying to be, like, the guy that, that feels stupid when I say something. It sounds odd, but, like, I try. Because if I do that, then I'm going to be in a place where I can expand my thought. I can expand my mentality. I can, I can push. That's, I think, what separates most people is they want to get to the next level comfortably. Right. It doesn't work that way. You don't, you don't get there comfortably. It's where you are comfortable right now. You have what you have. That next level is going to be a stretch into some place you're not commonly used to. It's like going into somebody's house you've never been before. You don't walk in and take your shoes off and chill on the couch. Like you come in, it's a little uncomfortable. Like, where's the bathroom again? You know, like the, that's how it should feel until you get used to the environment of it and you're there long enough. But most people, they want to pop in and they go, oh, I don't know how this, I mean, imagine going to a hotel and you walk in and you're like, I don't know where anything's at. I'm leaving the hotel. No, you're going to walk around and figure it out. Like same thing with the new things. It should feel uncomfortable. And I also think it helps us improve uh, both our humility and our empathy. I mean, when, when you're feeling really confident because you've mastered something, then you move to another domain that's really challenging that, that gives us the humble pie that we all need at times. And then at the same time, uh, it should give you empathy, you know, because we're going to be playing in some spaces where maybe we're the, the slowest guy. Uh, so then when we're the fastest guy, we should have empathy for those that, that are just now coming up. So I think that's a great practice to have. I agree, my man. So as we move kind of into the third quarter, is there anything, any belief, uh, a practice that you have now that, that in hindsight, which is always 2020, you wish you would have applied when you were younger? I mean, any newfound wisdom that helps guide your life now that would have really served you well when you were younger and younger could be really young or teenage or college or even fresh out? Uh, dude, man, what would I have as things that would have been different? Uh, you know, I think the ego would have been a good one to, to suppress much earlier. I think the ego is the one thing that when you come out, you're like, I'm the dopest. I'm amazing. Nobody can touch me. Right. And then you get to the world. And you're like, you don't know anything, young buck. You know, um, 
I think that would have been the big thing. If I can go back in time and adjust a little bit, it would have been like how I, how I handled the ego, how I would take more insight, take more coaching, take more guidance. Cause I think whenever you've accomplished something as a, you know, a young buck and you got to the NFL and then college, you're like, I look how great I am. And that's, you're just great in that world, man. You're just great as a football player. You aren't great at running the 7-Eleven. You've never done it before. You aren't great, you know, helping out with the homeless shelter. You've done it before, right? No matter what you step into. So the idea is how do you let the ego peel back and go, okay, I need to actually express myself differently and do different. I can take the intangibles, the way that I operate as a human and apply it here. But if I go out here and think I don't need help, my ego gets in the way, I'm going to ruin myself. And I did that. A lot of guys and girls do that when they get out. But that was one thing I think for sure I wish I would have known to adjust better. Was there a, a specific instance that helped put your ego in check or was this just part of the, the natural maturity and growing and, and evolving as a, as a man that you started to figure that out? No, nah, life kicked my butt, man. Yeah. Life kicked my butt. Uh, and I think that is really what we all sometimes need. Like I, I, life is a great way of teaching us lessons that we all end up, we get to a point in life, we get tested. And we failed the test. And I go, why did I fail the test? Well, you didn't go to class. What do you mean you didn't go to class? Well, if you go to school and you don't go to class, you fail tests. And the way you don't go to class is you lead the class or you just don't show up to it. Yeah. And when the test comes and you fail the test. So like there's moments where you're running into in life where there's going to be points of where you're tested. But if along that journey, you, you fail the test because you didn't essentially go to class or you left moments when they were too hard or didn't subject yourself to the difficulty, you will fall short continuously. You will continue to keep failing class. And I think that's one of the things that, that comes into play is people are just avoiding situations because they're scary and they, they leave class and go, well, how come I can't seem to handle this relationship, this test? How come I can't keep the job, the test? Well, because you left class, man. Well, I think part of that has just popped into my mind is they, they kind of defer and deflect ownership and accountability. You know, they're, they're blaming and complaining and making excuses on why they failed the test instead of saying, you know what? I left class early. I didn't do the homework. I didn't do the reading. I scored poorly on the test and it's my own fault. And yeah. I think it's vital as we go through life to be able to, to own that and that we can't own everything that's going on, but we can certainly own our response to all of it. Yeah. Oh, that's all you can own. Is it? And the response is not that I was going to be the right response, but it's your response. And even if the response sucks right now and it's wrong, you do it, you learn, you can do it better next time. But those who are like at high levels in life, people wonder, well, how do they know how to make the right choice? Because they made the wrong ones. <laughs> That's it. Like, I know how to do these things. I've made the wrong ones a lot of times yeah. over and over again. And then you do it just like sports, man. You go out there and you shoot a bunch of threes the wrong way. And then all of a sudden you figure out how to do it because you shot a bunch the wrong way. And I could coach you based on what I saw. Right. Or I took a bunch of plays and dropped the ball. You know, I can coach you on what to do. But you make you make good choices from bad choices. And that also takes uh, going back to humility. Like you have to have an openness to being coached. You have to have an openness mm -hmm. to accepting feedback, uh, which once again, yeah. I think some people they're so scared of that, that they, they put that wall up and say, all right, well, I, I don't want that feedback where you yeah. strike me as someone that, that craves coaching and craves feedback. Cause I also know professionally you give coaching and you give feedback all day long. It's a constant thing. My coaches are like my wife and my kids and my coaches. And then, uh, yeah, I, it's funny as I don't, I don't coach people that are level. I haven't been before, which is one part of it too. I think there's an aspect where you shouldn't be telling someone how to run the race until you've crossed that finish line. Mm -hmm. So I'm not going to tell you how to run a, a multi-billion dollar conglomerate. I'm not going to tell you how to, uh, I don't know. I'm not going to coach you on how to put together a car from scratch. Never done it before, right? But there are certain aspects, your parenting, your, your relationship stuff, your, your business, like in certain capacities, whatever level you've got. If you haven't built up to an eight-figure business, like I got you covered, I can teach you things. So it's like, how can I step in and show people based on what I've learned? And the cool thing is, is we've all at any level of any 
success, every successful person had a coach somewhere. Like I played football, right? And and for me, when I played football, I had a coach, big time, like had a coach. And so it's a matter of getting to the point where you step in and realize that the times when you were the best, you had someone who could could see the field when all you were seeing was what's in front of you. Yeah. Like I, I could see right what's in front of me, but I could not see the field. Well, and even with football, I mean, you, you had a myriad of coaches. I mean, you had the head coach, you had a position specific coach. You most likely had a strength coach. You possibly had a nutrition coach. Like you've got a variety of people around you that have a specific expertise to pour into you so that you can get better. And, and you just mentioned, I think a moment ago, you said you still have some coaches now. I do. Yeah. I have, I mean, they're in different capacities. Yep. Like that's the, uh, that's the thing. It's, it's something where if you don't, then you're, you're stopping the progress that you don't see. There's something coming out of the pipeline that needs to be prepared for. And if you don't have yourself prepared for it, it'll pass you by before you know it. My college coaches tell me all the time that like he would go to go look at, uh, you know, kids in college and everything called kids in high school about going into college. And the first place he'd stop would be over to the, the registrar's office. I want to see what the grades are. If the kid's grades weren't good, he'd left. He just would leave before the kid even knew he was there. And they'd never know he was there. He's like, it happened probably, you know, 25% of the time. Good kid, great athlete, shows up, great suck, he goes. No one knows he was there. Same thing happens with opportunities. If you aren't prepared because you've been doing the stuff you got to, when the opportunity comes, it'll pass before you know it's there. Yeah. Well, you know, this, and this piggybacks on what you said earlier, you know, because you grew up in sport and you grew up with a strong appreciation and respect for coaches, that's why you continue to have them to this day. And, and, and I feel the exact same way. When I decided to become a speaker, hired a speaking coach, decided to write a book, got a writing coach, found myself in some financial predicaments. I got a financial coach and a wealth advisor to help me get out yeah. of that. So yeah, I think anytime we need some help in a certain area, we should be embracing and seeking out coaches, not sitting back and, and just kind of playing defense, if you will. No. Well, because no one wants to see, no one wants anyone to see them sweat. Everybody wants to to be in a position where like, look at me, I'm great. Especially people who are leaders and coaches. They, they, they don't want anybody to see that they need help too. It's like, no, man, we all need help. That's yeah. the big thing, but we all need specific help. Do you see that shifting a little bit? I'm starting to notice now that leaders are stepping into their vulnerability a little bit more and acknowledging, hey, this isn't something I have an answer to, or this is some new territory that I haven't, you know, crossed over. So I, I'm, I'm hoping we're seeing the pendulum swing in that direction. Cause I do think an appropriate amount of vulnerability increases connection and actually improves credibility with those that you lead. I think it does. Yeah. If you're strong in a certain area, I think if all you have is your bravado and your, you know, whatever you've done in the past, then no, if you have something strong and powerful and it's accomplished, it's much easier to go in the world and say, I'm improving. Cause most it's easier to say I'm improving when the world goes, how you're already so great. You know, that's the kind of thing when so you're like, you're already so great. What are you going to improve upon? That's easier. When someone goes like, I'm trying to be great, but I need help. And I, the world doesn't see me as great yet. Like that's that in between where you're trying to prove you're great yeah, and then yeah. get help. Now we're in between. I'm trying to prove I'm great and can do great things and go get help. It's like, ah, uh, no one wants to, to show the world that, right? So it's, yeah. it's an interesting in between. That, that sure is. Well, and once again, you're, you're perfect with these segues. That'll take us into the fourth quarter. So you've got a lot of people listening and watching that look at you and say, okay, Anthony, you're already great. What are some of the resources that, that you're really into right now, whether it's podcasts or videos or books and, and who are some of the people, uh, I don't love the name thought leader, but who are some of the thought leaders that, that you're learning from at present? Yeah, man, everybody, myself, my family, you know, the, the, essentially a thought leader. It's interesting. is like, uh, I don't know where that word came from. Like I, think I don't either. I lead because of my thoughts. Like I get it. Like we spend time thinking there are people that I love the way their brain works, right? I love what they're, they're putting out there, but it's all depend upon the season you're in. 
Yeah. You know, like there may be some people that are phenomenal, but I'm not in the season to listen to them. You know, so sometimes some people don't need help with relationships, but maybe somebody does. So like for me right now, some things I'm looking at, I was like team leadership. Uh, we're talking about before this, like how I'm, I'm scaling the coaching programs and like who I need to bring into the fold for that. So there's things in the back burner that aren't priorities of mine. Like it just, it is what it is. And so the thing that I look at is like, you got to kind of find the person who fits where you're at right now, not who fits your friend because they helped your friend where they were at. Mm. So you go, oh, you got to read this book, got to watch this thing. It's great. Yeah, it is great for you because right now you needed that, but it may not be great for me. I like the recommendation. I appreciate it. I'll take note of it. So if I get to that place, I need it. But a lot of the time, I think the best thing to do is go Googling and searching. Like, what is it that you're struggling with and who do you need? Because you will find the individual who may not be a thought leader, but might be someone in the same position you are. And you just see how they're riding that wave. That's what yeah. a lot of people that begin the journey of being a thought leader, the recommendation is. And the right, what smart ones do is they just document their journey. So maybe you just follow someone who's just documenting their journey and go, okay, cool. This person's literally a half a step ahead of me, but they're doing, they're clearing a brush, right? They're, they got the machete hacking some things down. I'm guiding. So, I mean, yeah, I think the guidance, the coaches, mentorship, people that are friends and colleagues and people that follow you got your, your Brennan Burchards and you have uh, your Dean Grazios who's doing their stuff. You got your Prince EAs, your Trent's, you, know, you get some great minds, Mel Robbins, Marie Forleo. These are great great human beings that have all carved a path and read the you know, went some direction. So you just kind of see what they do and build in. It's kind of what I've done, um, continue to still do. And, and also as people that, that I follow that they have no idea I follow them and I follow them for entertainment purposes, but it, it gives me information and inspires. Right. And it's just fun to kind of watch the world and great people do great things. But I, I don't get consumed with stuff that's inflammatory or argumentative or degrading. Like I just kind of, Something makes me feel good. I'll stay, stay in the pocket and pay attention to it. For sure. Well, man, two things jump out. One, I love your level of discernment and, and of making sure that you're very careful about what you're taking in. And you only want to take in stuff that's going to help move you, move you down the field, if you will. Um, yeah. But talk to me a little bit more about this concept of seasons. You know, again, as a football player, you had a distinct in-season, a distinct off-season, and a distinct preseason, or yes, something to that effect. So talk to me about how you apply this season's mentality to your life now. I love that. Well, I mean, it, the funny thing is, I don't know if I put it in the same bucket as you do. I like how you're doing it because it's sports related. Why not? Right? I dig it. Uh, <laughs> you, you, know, you don't have to go that route. I'm not leading the witness. No, it's because it's also seasons are the same thing as like, you know, we'll call it worldly, you know, weather seasons. They all change. Yeah. I think the idea is to understand and accept what season you're in, right? Some people think they're in a building season, but they're not in a building season. You're in a foundation season, you mm -hmm. know? Um, you, you may think you're in, you're in, you know, season season, but you're in preseason still, or you may not realize it, but you're in postseason, man, the relationship ended, bro. Get, figure it out. <laughs> like <there may laughs> you got to do, but I think the first part will be a matter of understanding and assessing and owning what season you're actually in. And then once you have done that, it gives you a little bit more grace to go, okay, great. What do I got to do to prepare for the next season? You know, what, what's the next stage of transition? Cause that's, I think where a lot of us fails. We, we, we go or want to go somewhere, but we can't go the next stage we have no idea what current stage we're at so yeah. that's how i look at it is where am i at having some people talk to me give you insights and then from there progress out the right way so if i'm hearing you correctly i mean you've got to have a high sense of self-awareness and you've got to be rather introspective and reflective but also yeah. want to call in some people that that you trust and that you know care about you that might help you see some blind spots and say hey you know anthony you might actually be more in this season than than what you think yeah yeah Pretty much, you need to have individuals you trust to tell you what you need to hear, not not uh, what you want to hear. Yeah, 
Yeah, absolutely. Well, let's take it into our overtime segment here. And, and we just and we can talk about your most recent book or we can talk about just kind of your work in its totality and, and all the work you do, especially surrounding identity. And we'd just love for you to share some of the, the main themes and concepts on that, because I really find your work prolific and innovative and, and really, really fascinating and helpful. Thank you. Yeah, I mean, we all have this aspect of desiring more. We want to you know, make more money. We want to have more free time. And these are all things that, that are like the top of tongue aspects. And a lot of people... They're, they're seeking comfort in frameworks and systems and process. And I just need that strategy to apply. And the problem is they have too many and none of them are working because they're not using any of them because they haven't got to the point of making identity shifts to put the stuff in action. And, and when they actually do make that shift properly, things get done and you start achieving, you start experiencing, you feel better about yourself. You get to a point where I call people, you need to be in a limitless state of ridiculous power. You need to have like an ongoing well of this sense of like, I am dope, like athletes do. And people are falling short of that. They think they need to go and complete this thing to all of a sudden now I'll feel that way. And there's a little bit of truth, very little to that. The reality is when you work on the individual and how they're showing up, they'll get those things done. They will do it. And then as they do it, they do get the feedback of, I got to accomplish, look how great I am. Because... I think that's the biggest hindrance and issue for a lot of people is waiting. They're waiting to have the emotion to actually move or they're waiting to just hopefully just give everything and ruin the rest of their life to get this thing done. And then it'll fix everything. No, it won't. Like you want to buy that car. It's too expensive for you. It's not going to fix your life, man. You want to get that girl it's that, that you, it's sexy and you want to just sleep with her and have, it's not going to fix your life. You're not going to feel good. Because that's why a lot of people get a lot of money, get the nice car, get that, the nice house. And then all of a sudden hate their lives. They're like, what's going on? Well, what, because you didn't actually look at who you were becoming while doing it. And so you did get it the wrong way, but you can actually get those things faster and easier and feel like you deserve it in the right way. And it all boils down to making a shift, which is all the work that we do. Gosh, there's so much stuff there to unpack. And I, I love that. So it's not depending on the outcomes and putting everything, putting, putting happiness, fulfillment, success into future-based language as far as when I do this or when I have this, then I'll feel good you're showing folks how to feel good now and those things will end up just being the byproduct of the work they're doing and the person they're becoming. Yeah. I mean, it's that whole concept of be, do, have, you know, people think you have to have something then, then if you have, you'll do the things and you'll, you'll be that person. It's not the case. The goals are shoot to be that person. Cause that, that person who is being that they, they, they do the things. It's like, it's a natural, like it's who I am. So yeah, I do this. And then oh, Mary, like you all of a sudden have stuff. Like it's not magic that we think like, Oh, it's, it's magic. Now this person became the person at their core. And then the, because they did the things and because they did those things, they now have that thing. That's the process we go through and people want to skip it or adjust it or switch it and say, just tell me what I got to do to get it. That's hard, man, because you may do those things, but it may feel out of character. So you won't do them. If you do them, it'll be short lived. So your success will be short lived. Or if you get it, you'll self-sabotage because you don't believe you deserve it. That's why it's got to be a B thing. I got to become at an identity level, that individual, that level, and then everything else trickles in properly. What gave you clarity on this entire concept? Is this, is this part of an integral to your personal journey that, that once you started getting clarity on these things? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I did it through life. It's it, life is an interesting thing. Like, it, like it's a teacher. I just stayed in class, man. And so the more I stayed in class, the more I learned, the more I learned, the more I go, oh, man, not only can I pass these tests, I could teach the class, you know, that's kind of what it boiled down to. And so I was faced with all these same issues and same situations and things that I wanted. I wanted to have more money and, and be out of like a place of debt. I wanted to have a relationship where I felt confident and comfortable. I wanted to feel good in my body and my skin, all these things I wanted. 
And you'd think like, okay, just tell them what to eat for nutrition. That's not the solution, right? It's I can tell you all day what to do, but are you going to have discipline? Are you going to feel confident? Are you going to be the person who doesn't go to sleep till the workout's done? Because if that's not who you are, you're not going to, I can tell you everything to do and you won't do it. You know, it could be the same thing. I can tell you all the stuff to do for business. Hey, do this, you got to make these calls and create this stuff and make this team and share this message. Sounds good. You know what to do. You're going to do it. Is it who you are to do it? Are you going to go out of your way? You're going to sacrifice. You're going to have good communication, make these reach outs. No, because not who you are to do it. So you keep battling it. You want to know what to do, but then you won't do what you got to do because it doesn't feel like who you are. So when I come in, I remove the pain that the people are experiencing of like, I don't have the thing I want, but I am so tired from fighting for it. It's because you get tired doing the wrong work. When you do the right work, the work gets easy and you get more achievements. I call it effortless effort. The effort goes in, but it feels effortless. And now you have this magical outcome. So that's in essence, the foundation. If we were going to summarize the, the work that you do, you help folks get clarity on that and then make that shift. So it's almost kind of inside out as opposed to the constant chase. It isn't. It isn't. The inside out portion is it's a little bit deceitful because people think if I just feel good inside, the outside happens. And to an extent it does, but it's always achievement and elevation simultaneously kind of thing. I got to achieve to feel better and, you know, and have that transformation. And I got to transform to achieve. It's, it's always happening together. It's always in that kind of pocket there. But what I do is like, it's, it's hard to express what I do from a standpoint of the nuts and bolts. Nobody cares how the plane flies. I can tell you all day how the plane flies. You're like, I don't care the plane flies. I want to get in a plane. But the biggest thing I want to know, where's the plane going, man? Yeah. Where's the plane going? That's why I explain to people like, Yes, I have a process and a method, but my goal, limitless sense of ridiculous power. Because when you do that, you wake up, the actions take place differently. You, you flow differently. And when you're, when you're operating in that kind of tick, there's not even a question of whether or not the book gets read, the course gets consumed, the action gets taken. It's who you are to do it. So when it's who you are to do it, you're not going to go to bed out of alignment so it gets done and then success takes place. That's what I do. I get people that a place where, they look back at the old them and go, who the hell was that person? How did they not get out of bed early? How did they not make these calls? How did they not have that conversation? How did, how did that person not? I don't even know what that was. And when, that, when that's a reality for your life, you're not just looking at, oh, look, I feel better. You're looking at, oh, look, my life has more. Well, that's it for this episode. Thank you so much for investing your time with us. I hope we helped you raise your game. And if you'd like to sustain your game as well, how's that for a brilliant transition? Check out my new book, Sustain Your Game, High Performance Keys to Manage Stress, Avoid Stagnation, and Beat Burnout. It's available for pre-order now and will launch worldwide on April 12, 2022. For more information, check out SustainYourGameBook.com.